made it. I'm here. All the way to a grand Yay. slam. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> so talk me through it. So what was, how, how'd you get there now? I mean, there's just yeah, all these different protocols, but you, you're there, you're in the French Open bubble. Yeah, I'm there. We had to take a, a test in the UK or wherever you're coming from. So I did that, got on the plane. The scariest thing was, was the airports. Now, I'm not a big fan of those weird zombie apocalypse, the world has ended movies. No. No, you might, but you might, you know what I'm talking about when there's nothing left. I know left. what you're talking about. But there's no, nothing there's nothing left like in the world. So I turn up at Heathrow Airport. There's no one there. There is no one. At he- I thought it was shut. There was no one at the airport. There was <laughs> no lights on, <laughs> banging on the door. <laughs> <laughs> the doors opened, lights were on, but there were no passengers. And so I'm sort of looking around thinking, okay, this is... And I got there quite early, just in case, with new protocols and bits and pieces. Through I went, security, nobody. You get into the main hub of the terminal, not one person. There's like, oh, there's a few people, but literally no one. You go to your gate, no people. You get on the plane, no people. It was, I mean, a serious note, how airlines will survive this, I don't know. But in terms of, did I feel safe traveling? Yes, because there was no one there. I didn't go near anyone. They're definitely one day going to make film a film about at least at least one film right about the actual pandemic that has happened in modern times because they they do make these little apocalypse things i mean i watched the i am legend one that was a that was like a pandemic situation where everybody died and turned into zombies apart from a few people (laughs) the lucky few (laughs) the lucky few that got to live for the rest of their lives with zombies uh yeah so i think there's definitely going to be films about it but they were, it was just it was in one hand i'm thinking wow this is a great time to travel and to fly because there's you get through airports very easily except we've got quarantine everywhere but there was an on the plane and when you leave the plane you have to sit down until your row is effectively called so right. the door you know you know when the you know in the plane the seatbelt sign goes off everyone leaps up and grabs things out of their overhead locker of the overhead yeah like every, the whole plane stands up right <laughs> so the whole plane stood up there's not a lot of us on the plane and then a, a big announcement came please can you sit down you weren't allowed to move from your seat until your row was effectively called wow because otherwise suddenly That's you're like intense. this mass of people um you know what i've just realized actually that 2020 will be the first year since I don't even know when that I would not have taken a flight anywhere. Oh, that's, and that's weird for you because when you were playing, what's the most flights you've taken in a year? Oh, I, you know, I never worked that out. But I did work out in one three-month block once of how many hundreds of hours I'd spent on a plane. I had gone around the world like three and a half times. It was just, it was, wow. it, the whole thing was carnage. It was bad scheduling on my part, I might, I admit. <laughs> but... <laughs> It was a yeah, it was a rough few months. There was a lot of flying involved, um, but yeah, no, it's it just quite extraordinary. I mean, when I stopped playing, I mean, I've talked to you, and I think I've talked about this on the pod in terms of when I stopped. Suddenly, after about a couple of months, I wasn't jet lagged. It was just weird because I had hadn't not been jet lagged for forever, and then suddenly I just felt sort of grounded, and and then yeah, I've just been in the UK. Since when did I? When was I last? I so the last trip I did was was Davis Cup for Madrid. So okay, November back from Madrid, the very end of the season. Yes, the full twenty twenty season. I want to go wow. anywhere. Can I confirm no jet lag from the UK to France? <laughs> what about are you still hanging over from Manchester? <laughs> I had jet lag from Manchester to London, but I have not had it from London to Paris. That was, uh, yeah, I, you know, that was my first surreal experience of this new normal that that we're part of was really, really weird. Um, the, the difference from Paris to the UK, 
as it stands at the moment is in Paris, you have to wear masks everywhere outdoors. So at the moment, the UK, you don't have to wear them when you're walking around the streets if you don't want to. So what happens if you don't? I suppose you don't know because you're well, obviously a very good person and you always have. <laughs> no, the, and, and no, I did. But the evening I arrived, once I'd got my confirmation of my negative test from the UK, because I came back to my hotel room, I knew I could leave my hotel room. I decided to go for a run. And I did check with someone. They don't have to run in masks. So I was like, do I have to? No, OK. Um, and as I went out the hotel, I didn't have my mask because I was going to run. And the looks I got, I basically just had to keep running. Because any time I stopped and walk, which can happen, people just stared at me as if to say, put your mask on. So ah. I just had to keep going. So it's peer pressure. That's the main thing. It's the, it's the looks. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I don't know if there's anything stricter than that. But it's, it's definitely. And as we record this on Thursday, I do believe in Paris from Monday, it'll be restaurants and bars closed from 10 o'clock, which we've got in the UK at the moment. Right, okay. But which is a bit of an issue if you're going to finish late, especially under the floodlights. Yes, there, there were no, normal dinner time at Roland Garros is about 11 o'clock. <laughs> so that, yeah, so that, exactly. that's, going to cause, that's going to cause a few problems. But it was, so yesterday it was mainly at the hotel waiting for my test to come through. And then as, ha, as things have worked, I had my second test today because each test covers you for a week and we were sent a chart from the FFT who I'm working for as to how many days you're here when you have to get your test by so my window for my second test but first here opened today and closed on Saturday to make me valid for next week so I thought you know what let's just get it done let's just go yeah. and get it done and I'm just going to say that the French are awarded an A star for COVID testing because that was the most brutal, uncomfortable experience. And a lot of people had said to me, it's awful. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, it's a cotton bud up there and down there. And I've done a couple at home like you have, you know, with a cotton bud. Down the throat. Yes. Up the nose. Yes. And you, you, and I think we've done it quite well, right? We've, we've gone down and up and right. Well, yeah, but it, it, it is one of those things. We've seen a little bit on social media, the, um, the French saying like, well, Nobody else is testing properly. <laughs> You've got to properly get in there. You can't just kind of pop it in and swirl it around and think that that's okay. If anyone has it, they will find it. Because I, I had one before I came out here. Not massively comfortable, but fine. And then I went on my way. There's a testing centre at the National Tennis Centre here. And you turn up and in you go and you fill out forms and go through to this room and you sit down. And it's just up the nose. It went, I mean, it nearly touched my brain. I cannot, I didn't know it could go that far. She just kept pushing it in further and further. The whole thing disappeared. It's like the length of a biro. The whole thing disappeared. Oh my God. <laughs> it was, it was, can you imagine crying because your eyes are just, and sneezing and just all at the same time? Oh, it's, yeah, it just sounds horrible, doesn't it? It's just I mean, for people who haven't had it, imagine just hold a buyer in your hand and imagine that disappearing up your nose. Because... Oh <laughs> and then the beauty is, once they've retrieved it from one nostril, where does it go? Goes up the second nostril. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Some serious so that was, penetration. And literally, as it came out, I was just crying. And she was like, ça va? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's good because, as you say, if, if they're going to find it, they get that, that's how they're going to find it. Yeah. And so what's uh, have you been on site yet? You've only been there a day. Yep. Yep. I have. Uh, once I um, I went on site in the morning, went to have my test, came back again. Had a, It's a strange one. And I know people at the US Open were saying had a very kind of 
spooky, weird feeling without the crowds. But today it just felt like a build-up day to a tournament. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's always a bit weird, isn't it? It's yeah, and there's and there's all the sort of vans and lorries putting everything in place, and there aren't really any spectators around. So I think I'll get a better feel for it when the tennis proper starts on Sunday. But it was it was different in the sense there are signs up everywhere, there are hand gel machines everywhere. In terms of masks, well, it, it's the same on the streets. Once you come in, you 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 can't take them off. So if all day, all day. So if you're sat at your if you sat at your desk, I think we'll take we'll take them off for the TV show when we do it. But all meetings and in commentary, we've got perspex up so we can take them off. But everywhere else, apart from eating and drinking, you have your mask on. So wherever you are on site, people are social distancing. As I say, you can clean your hands everywhere and anywhere. There is it. It feels really spacious. It feels even more so than. A few things, they're still redeveloping certain areas. There are kiosks and things that aren't there that are normally there. It does feel even more spacious than it would do when it was empty in the days before. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, because it's not really known for being a spacious site. I mean, it's it's done really, really well. And it's a, it's a really enjoyable place to be. Absolutely, it doesn't feel cramped or crowded or anything, but it's not sort of sprawling over loads of ground and that sort of thing slightly different to i suppose us open just seems to have a lot more sort of open open areas it feels even more stripped back and they're still developing certain areas of the site anyway that was always going to be the plan but it does feel a little bit more stripped back i mean you've taken away lots of kiosks that were there and and won't be needed and the main area where there used to be the bull ring and there was the big screen that's a little bit more stripped back and there's a new mega store in the corner and it it just feels like there is more space right but it's yeah today it was it was just getting a feel there's a there's a new media center in in one corner you could wander around onto the courts and it was amazing seeing that philip chatre is incredible and i got to see the roof because it was raining so good and all the videos (laughs) there's a lot of rain in the forecast and yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) that use that roof is going to be worked we could have a roof and so the roof came on and raf nadal had his first practice session which was yes. nice. So more and more people crept into the stadium to watch that. Everyone spaced out and, and the roof closed. No, it's incredible. And what about just being back at Roland Garros? Just just being back on site. Like, what are the things that make it Roland Garros and not just some clay court tournament? Well, stupidly, I got sucked into the weather being quite sunny um, <laughs> and thinking when it's normally held, although it does sometimes a lot of the time rain and wandered in feeling quite summery and then I thought well, it's actually a little bit cold and the rain is coming down it's just, it's the feeling of a grand slam isn't it it's the people the big difference is you're not seeing normally in the build-up days to a grand slam you walk around Wimbledon you'll see the players walking past you I don't know Nadal with a couple of rackets and all the players you, you don't see players now so it right completely separated off in their bubble they will train go back train Andy Murray was out watching Liam Brody and yes in his match of course but they it, it's very very separate but it's it's Roland Garros isn't it it's it's Philippe Chatry it's the courts it's the players who will be there it's the matches that are going to happen it's it just have a very different feeling it's the people there's a lot of people putting together this event and we're still waiting for confirmation once this goes out there might be confirmation on crowds but slight changes from the French government they're working out whether they can still have 5,000 a day it comes down to 1,000 there are no fans so again that will when we speak next week that's going to feel a bit different depending well even if it's 5,000 it's going to feel strange but 
Well, it's Roland Garros, isn't it? It's 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 the signage, it's the venue, it's the history. It's it's like you walk into Wimbledon. It's like you walk into the US Open. It's like you walk into the Australian Open. Yeah. It's just something very special, but it's going to get cold and it's going to get dark. Yeah, it is. We got summer lights and we got one roof. So that is definitely better than any other years that this were to happen. This is, out of all of the years, this is the best possible year for this to have happened and for Roland Garros to be taking place in September slash October. But for me, in terms of like the little things that make it Roland Garros... Do you know what? Weirdly, it's it's the seats, the wooden seats. And it's actually a fairly new addition, to be honest. It's not yeah. like they've been like that forever. <laughs> so it's not a traditional thing, but it's just that I don't know of any other tournament that has that particular sort of seat. And I think they look so great. They look really smart against sort of the grey um, cement that's around as well. And for me, I just see those seats. There's something about the shape of the seats and the colour of the seats. And it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is special. The seats are very comfortable as well. They are, yes. They did not hold back when they when they bought new seats. <laughs> They're very nice ones, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of quite a, a unique thing, I, I think. But I have really enjoyed, I mean, we've had Rome and, and now Hamburg's going on this week. But just in general, the clay, because I, I, I was just thinking tennis... It's so it's such a unique colour, you know, it's such a vibrant colour to have on the screen in terms of people watching sport at home. You know, we, there's a lot of sport on grass and, OK, you know, Wimbledon's grass and that's great. But, the, you know, you, you see the green a lot. And I know the blue from the, the acrylic court is a bit of a Tennessee colour, but there's just there's nothing more Tennessee is there than that sort of brick color of the clay courts and I just thought it just seemed so inviting and just so sort of like yes this is tennis we're different to we're different to other sports we're lunatics we change surfaces we've just been playing on cement and now we're playing on crushed up brick but there'll be people listening saying no for me it's the grass you see I think you're too blasé about the grass because you see and play on the grass all the time there'll be people saying no not people who've got clay courts no, but all there around are other sports on the grass I mean obviously Wimbledon's the best place in the world just period just if you ask me what's the best place <laughs> in the world it is Wimbledon so <laughs> I'm not I'm not in, in any way feeling negative towards it but you know you've got football on grass rugby's on but grass but tennis grass looks turf. different Everywhere. It's a different colour. It is it different just looks, to sort of turf. Yeah, it just looks. There yeah. is something so... I, I, yeah, I like you. I love the contrast. I love the fact that you can go from these pristine, beautiful lawns that you can't even walk on. And then suddenly you come to the colour of the clay and the noise and the sliding. And just watching Nadal practising today and the noise and the sliding and the, and the dirt yeah, everywhere. It's so good, it's isn't just, it? The slow motion yeah. sliding. Yeah, yeah. And the the clay just sort of spitting up off the shoes. Oh, it's just, oh, you can't beat it. At these times, sometimes when I see like uh, a little bit of a montage, so the draws just happened and they had a few montages going on with it all as well, which was great. And we'll get into the draw in a, in a little bit. But um, you see these montages and it's the same with Wimbledon and it's the same everywhere. And you, I just think... How is tennis not the biggest sport in the world? This is clearly the best sport in the world. And I'm just kind of looking around. I mean, I know it's obviously a huge sport, so I'm I'm not kind of doing it down. But I just think nothing compares to this. This is unbelievable. I just love it so much. No, it's fantastic. And I'm just, I don't know if you can hear my messages coming through. So I've just shut my WhatsApp and my computer because I just keep hearing little dings in my ear. So I think it's people talking about the draw that we are going to talk about. But I tell you what I found quite hard this time is coming away from the family again because normally there's space, there's a lot more space between Grand Slams. 
And normally that's when I'll go away for a big block of traveling. Yeah. And I think that's been the hardest thing for me. It's the excitement of, wow, the US Open's just finished with jet lag. Now we've got the French Open and Roland Garros. Ah. But for me, it was really tough leaving the boys again because we've had six months locked in together, like 24 hours a day. Then I go away for two weeks, come back for 10 days and go away again. So that was, and one of them was a bit emotional. So that, that, I think that's been the hardest thing. It's great to be here now and the excitement of being on site and it's about to start and I can't wait. But in terms of the, the being away, that's, that's been tough because it, it's such a quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just very strange having the slam so close together. And okay, we've always had Wimbledon and French Open pretty close together for sure. But, um, you know, that extra week definitely helping. But this does just feel just very quick, very jam-packed. I mean, I just wasn't ready for Rome to start when that was starting. And I was just kind of just, yeah, losing my bearings <laughs> a little bit. But uh, and yeah, I we're off and rolling. Wimbledon, I travel from home every day, so I don't go away. But one thing I'll say is that parental guilt is very rewarding for children. My kids, the last few days, they've had whatever they want. They've stayed up <laughs> as long as they've want. I've bought them random presents. Their dad was like, what are you doing? I was like, I just feel guilty because I'm going away again. And they got wind of this. And they were like, oh, so you're going away for how many days are you going away for? And then I'd be hit with guilt again and I'd buy them something else. Yeah, they so should probably had... have a present for every day that you're away, right? <laughs> they've, had, they've had a great few days. They've been living the life of Riley the last few days because they say, oh, so it is a long time, isn't it, mummy? And then I'd be like, oh, I'm racked with guilt once again. So the next day there'd be something else. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, they've, it's been like, Christmas since I've got back from Manchester. <laughs> draw, do you want to get stuck into the draw? Yes, let's. Where should we start? Men's or women's? Where do you want to go? Oof, I don't know. Um, well, let's start with the women's because that was the draw okay. out first. What was my first message to you? It was quite loaded in one half of the draw, <laughs> I think, yeah. was, I was the like, uh, general gist. I was like... I would like to be in the bottom yeah. half of the draw. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's jam packed. I quite like seeing them come out one at a time. I prefer that over the US Open sort of bang. Here's everything. Take it all in. Uh, so I quite enjoyed the way that they, they did, yeah. did it electronically okay. this year. But um, yeah, some really interesting things. Now, I know the top half is the strong half, but I want to talk about yeah. the bottom half because Oh, yes, you? only okay. because I've Why? got a little eye on <laughs> Garbinia Muguruza. I think she played brilliantly in Rome. She's been back with Conchita for a while now. She seems happy. I think she seems together. Her tennis is, of course, great. We know that it's all about how she feels, whether she can win a slam or not. When she's feeling great, she can win a slam out of nowhere. I mean, it seems like it would be out of nowhere, but it's not because she did play really well uh, in Rome, of course. And I think... Uh, she could come through that half. So in, right, so she's in the third quarter. So yes. in the third quarter, some names for you. Sophia Kennan, who I'm just not happy having a great time of it lately, but is the Australian Open champion, did well yeah. here last year. She Sabalenka, can play on the clay. Can play on the clay. Sabalenka, who we know like how she likes to hit the ball. Depends what kind of day she's having. Brady, one of the form players of the year. I know, again, we've switched services, but I'm just throwing some names. Anjabur is in there. Donna Vekic, uh is in there and then in the fourth quarter so just bringing together this bottom half we've got Ostapenko, Pliskova, Kvitova, Keys, Kerber, Risk, Martic and Sloane Stevens. It's, it's, it's fascinating isn't it? I mean look it's not like it's a weak half it's just that 
the names. But that's where you'd want to be. Yeah, that's where you'd want to be as a player. The names that you would pick out that might be able to win this thing just happened. To, most of them, I think, happened to be in in the top half. But from that bottom half, I mean, look, Pliskova's played well. She reached the final in Rome. She was playing pretty nicely on the clay. She did get found out quite significantly by Halep, although she was carrying a bit of an injury. But it was uh, was a little one sided. That's for sure. Uh, and she said, actually, look, if you're taking on Halep on clay, you've got to be 100%. So even if you're 98%, yep, you're pretty much stuffed. <laughs> so I thought that was fair <laughs> enough. Um, so, yeah, I think, look, Pliskova is a second seed. So she's, I feel like she's she's playing well and she's kind of favourite to do well. But she's just, she doesn't like being seeded highly. I feel like she'll do better in slams if she was like the seventh seed or something, you know. It just... Being, she's been the top seed before. She's, yeah, I don't know. It's just a bit kind of. I don't expect her to go to the final as the second seed, even though she's seeded to get to the final. Yeah, I just yeah. don't expect it because, uh, yeah, I don't know why. I always really want her to. I would love for her to win a Grand Slam. Yeah, no, I know with Pliska, I, I would never. I'm not a betting person, but I wouldn't feel confident putting any money on her to win a Grand Slam and I agree with you that well look we saw at the US Open and she was the top seed and you know it's the second time she was a top seed at a Grand Slam it didn't end very well and I agree with you that if she was maybe a bit like a Kerber further down not talked about as much then I mean I don't know possibly top half top quarter first quarter Halep Burton's yeah strong it's a strong chance against Coco Goff is a first rounder um, Marketa Vondrasova Yastremska Sakari Anisimova, Kuznetsova. Wait, is this is this that's the top just a quarter? quarter. That's... I mean, that is mind blowingly good. You've got Halep in there, of course, former French yep. Open champion. Von Drusova was in the final last yep. year. Conta the yep. semi-finals last year. Who else Burton's we got? Knocking great around? on clay. Burton's. I mean, come on. No one wants to play Burton's on this stuff again. She's another one who falls into that category. Likes being in the pack. Doesn't like well, to be talked about too much. She's definitely in the pack here because they're not going to be talking about her when you've got Halep in there and Conta and Anissimova. To tell you yeah. what, she she can cause a massive upset. I think she'd have to play Halep in the third round. Is that right? You've got it in front of you. I'm just doing this all from memory. I've just got names. <laughs> I've just got names. Oh right, I think Anissimova is due to meet Halep uh, fairly early, fairly early on. I believe it might be a different round. I'm not sure, but that could be um, a real cracker i could see and it's over getting stuck into that so then if we bring in the second quarter um we've got well we've got peronkova petkovic which i just put down as an interesting first round venus yeah. williams is in that little section svitolina i mean when is she going to come good in a grand slam serena williams still going for 24 Azarenka, we know what she's been doing lately mertens very good player on the clay kontovic putin saver who i wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley if she was in a bad mood and Stritzova. Yeah, so some real tricky ones in terms of players that thrive against the big names. I think you could see some upsets coming out of there. I know Putintseva is a seed, isn't she? Um, yeah. But she's, yeah, I mean, she's always tough to, to put away. So you've just got some players there that, I mean, you just, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, that's, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. It's loaded. I mean, it's just, for Svitolina, when's she going to come good? I don't know. In a Grand Slam. in a gra- What is it about Grand Slams? I don't know. I don't know whether it's the pressure. I don't know whether it's the length of the tournament or not. Or whether it's just that her game is not built for, for winning Grand Slams. If you think about counterpunchers who have won Grand Slams, you've got Halep and Kerber really as the, the, from the recent times. 
but they have a different element. They have an extra element to their game than Svitolina does. I mean, the movement is off the scale. Kerber can counterpunch, but from right up at the baseline. So... Svitolina falls into the slightly more defensive counterpunching mentality, but she can't move like Halep does. She can't, she can't do that. She can't be that physical. We just, again think back to 2019 Wimbledon final. It was for me the the most impressive physical performance I've ever seen in women's tennis. It was, it was incredible. Un- believable incredible. how Halep just got to every single shot. It was phenomenal, um, and you know Svitolina can't do that. But then she can't do what Kerber does, which is just stick to the baseline, sink down low, redirect pace, you know, and commits it up. Did you like my German? So, <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was kind of, yeah, I was just letting that hang in the air a little bit. <laughs> um, so who's your favourite to win? Oh. Now you know the draw and how it's shaken out. Or who are you? Okay, or give me, give me, okay, so Halep, there we go, favourite. So give me your five or six, seven or eight names of people you think can win from the women's draw like we had in US Open, we started with 20 women who could possibly win the US Open. I don't think we've got that many here. No, I agree. So who are you putting in your realistic to win it pack? Well, I mean, Halep's the favourite, I agree. Yeah. And it, I think she's comfortably the favourite. I do think she's going to win it. Um, okay, she's not necessarily, you know, got 12 Roland Garros wins like a certain Rafa Nadal in terms of being the favourite. But... You've just got to look at that draw and think who can beat her. Because, I mean, look, she can always throw in a terrible match. Of course she could. She could have a panic and she could revert back to the days where she used to be anxious and all those sorts of things. I don't expect that to happen. I don't think anyone would expect that to happen. And you can't bank on it happening. But if she just plays as we expect her to play, like we saw her in Rome and how we think she's going to play at the Roland Garros, it's tough to see who could beat her. Um, I did mention Magarutha before. I'd probably put Magarutha in that group. I yeah. really think she's looking good. And I almost feel like if she had have won Rome, I might have taken her off my list for winning Roland Garros. She's not that sort of type. Do you know what I mean? She's not, she's not somebody who's like, oh, I've won everything and now I'm going to win a slam. She's somebody who comes to a slam and says, hey, guys, you haven't heard from me for a while and <laughs> I'm going to win this grand slam. So I think Magarutha in the bottom half. I mean, of course, Serena's in the mix. Um, As, Azarenka? Are we getting too carried away about Azarenka? Or is it justified and, and she's a realistic contender for this title? I think, I think yeah, if you're, if you're making a list, I would put Azarenka in there. She wouldn't be near the top of the list for me, but she's definitely in with a chance. Stevens? I mean... How do you predict what Stevens is going to do? Tell me <laughs> one person. I want a listener to get in touch and tell me that they have accurately predicted Sloane Stevens' biggest wins, <laughs> her first round losses. <laughs> it is so hard to know where she's at. But she, yeah, ah, no, no, I don't think so. I just remember every round of her run to the Roland Garros final. I was like, Oh no, no, she's not. No, she's not. Oh look, there she is. Yeah, I, <laughs> guess I just, I, I was as surprised as anybody. I was like, because she can really play on clay, but it doesn't come down to whether she can really play on clay. It's what she's going to do. Haven't got a clue. 
She can play on everything. She can play in any position. She can choose a game style. She can counterpunch. She can defend. She can be really aggressive and club the ball around if she wants to. It, she can be intense sometimes. She can kind of be like, meh, whatever. I'm just going to stroke the ball around. She has so, so much ability, which I think does cause her a few issues in terms of deciding what she's going to do. It's very rare for the women to... to to kind of have so many options they tend to just have like a straight game style of this is what I do think of a Johanna Conta you know exactly what Johanna's Conta is going to do on the court it's just about whether it's good enough or whether it's not I don't think we've got a lot of people in our list though your list is Halep Muguruza Serena's in the pack yes um, Azarenka's a long way down so who else Pliskova is she in the list yes I put Pliskova in the list Pliskova yes. in the list Kvitova in the list no Kerber on the list? No. Um, Svitolina on the list? No. Oh, sorry, I'm trying to be more ruthless because I don't want just a list of 20 because it's ridiculous. <laughs> Burton's on the list. Burton's or Mertens Ooh. or both or neither? Oh, Burton's or Mertens. Oh, I mean, as te- seeing as my list is a little light, then yes, I'd say yes. To both? Sure. Okay. Um, Conta. <laughs> No, don't start getting blasé with your list now. <laughs> this is really difficult. I'm not writing this down. I don't have the draw in front of me. Conta on your list or not? Well. She's got Coco Goff first round. But I sometimes think we see her, We see the name Coco Goff and we all get terrified. And I don't think we should be. I think she's a phenomenal talent, but she's still developing. I think sometimes you see anyone against Coco and you're like, oh, wow, that's going to be impossible. But not necessarily so for a former Roland Garros semi-finalist in Conta. Oh, look, the, the difference in terms of experience is absolutely huge. I very much think that Contra is the favourite for that match. The only added element that comes with Coco Goff is knowing about the millions of people watching is probably getting put on a fairly sizable court. It's, it's what comes with playing Coco Goff. Now, Johanna Conta has become really, really good at times at being able to kind of compartmentalize everything in her brain and just try and say that's over there I'm going to deal with that later after the match I'm not dealing with that right now all of this Coco Golf, call me Coco you know she signed million dollar deals I'm going to deal with that later I'm going to play some tennis so I do think that Conta will be fine but there just is a little bit of an element that it can get into your head and it can I, I don't know I think if things maybe didn't go well it could pose a bit of a problem okay and also Conta's coachless she's just split with Hogstead so she will I imagine unless anything has changed in uh, recent times but I imagine she will just be kind of getting stuck in on her own so Halep really for that and and so Serena Williams is not going to win 24 in Paris this year is that what you're saying yeah she might no you you said Halep is the Mm -hmm. overwhelming favorite and you think she's going to win the title I think she will, yeah. So therefore, Serena's not going to... It's like you don't want to say it. Come probably on. not. How, how is it probably not if Halep's going to win the title in your mind? Well, I mean, come on. Last year, we had Barty against Von Drusseva. Always sit on the you tell me, You tell me there's one person in the world that picked that as a final. No, but you just said, Halep, in my eyes, my mind, will win this title. So I said, so Serena won't. Well, she might. But you've just said that Halep will, will win it. So therefore, in your mind, Serena will not win it. Well, yeah, but I think Halep will win it unless she meets Muguruza in the final. <laughs> well, therefore, Serena Williams is still not winning it. <laughs> I'm sorry that the there's final. a lot of what ifs here. I'm sorry that that's how this works. But there are 128 people in this draw and half of them are going to be gone on day by day three. Don't use the excuse that there's 128 people in the draw. <laughs> 
That's a lot of people. Right. Let's. Um, so, how are you feeling about the men's draw? I mean, the the st- the, the headline. Okay, the headlines for the men's draw, which a lot of people will know by now, or maybe they they missed it, are that. Team and Nadal are in the same half of the draw, in the bottom half of the draw. So it cannot be another Team Nadal final. So that's rubbish. That's rubbish. Not for everyone. There'll be Djokovic fans that saying that's delightful that one is going to get rid of the other one or someone maybe is going to get rid of both of them. And the other headline is that Andy Murray will face Stan Wawrinka in the first round. Oh, no. That's enormous. I mean, that's huge. Right. Where do you want to start? Well, that's Which... pretty devastating, to be honest. Let's start with the Team Nadal situation. Yep. Okay. Can you imagine if neither one of them gets through to the final? That would be that would be weird. That would just be weird. Well, we've in team is in the third quarter and he faces Marin Cilic in the first round. I'm not saying Cilic is going to take him out, but that's tough. And the seeds in there, we've got Monfils, Diego in a lot of form currently on clay, having just beaten Nadal Schwartzman. Got Murray and Vavrinka will have one of those left. Chorich, Felix Ogeliasim, Fritz and Kasper Ruud. Can I just say... It's brutal for team. It's brutal. So, for, I mean, for me, I mean, he's got to play Chilich in the first round. Come on. And then you've got Rude as his seed moving through and potentially a Vavrinka knocking around or a Murray. I mean, how about the Grand Slam champs in that section? Yeah. But I think that if he gets through to the semis to, let's be honest, probably play Nadal, then I think that team will be playing so well to have come through that section that he will win and get to the final. Can I say it's been raining here all day and I get a lot of stick being from the UK. The amount of people that said to me today, oh, I bet it's raining in the UK. And I'm like, no, it's raining here. Is, that, is it raining where you are? Can you look out your window? Is it it's not raining right now, no. You see, it's pouring with rain. It's been pouring with rain all day here. and I've been We've getting had a- rain today. Well, but this has been, I mean, this is heavy stuff. I've been getting a lot of stick because I come from the UK. There's rain. Sorry. Yeah, so, you know, can I just yes. say as well, I used to get that as well as a player. Whenever you're stuck in a rain <laughs> delay or whatever, we're playing in Australia and people are like, oh, you know, Brits and the rain. You you, you should love this, huh? You go out, Just go out and play when it's raining. Why are you guys complaining? And I'm like, uh, we have something called indoor courts. <laughs> <laughs> you think I play in the rain because I'm British? Well, today I felt wrong with you. Today I have had. Well, this must make you feel at home. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, I was like, great, well, no, because I've just called home and it's definitely not raining back at home. It's really not far <laughs> away from Paris either. <laughs> it's really quite close. Right. So that's. I just had to tell you that it's still raining. Um, and in the fourth quarter, so the bottom bottom quarter, Nadal has got Zverev, Goffin, Sinner. Oh, what which, a first round! I mean, I don't know what to say about that. Fanini. Benoit Pair, positive, negative, we're not sure, but Benoit Pair is currently there. Um, Evans, Nishikori, and Dimonor. There you go. Yeah, I think it's a little more comfortable for Nadal than it is uh, in team section. I think Evans is his seed. You know, Evans has not won a main draw ATP match on clay. Quite remarkable stat, actually. He Because ha- I, I was figuring that out when he w- we were working on um, Rome, because they're are a couple of wins listed in Barcelona in 2017, but they are strictly scrapped from the record because Barcelona 2017 is when he tested positive for cocaine and had his his ban. So all of his matches, it was kind of pre... What, does, what am I trying to say? It was dated back, as it were. <laughs> so his, his match is gone. So they, he had won two main draw matches in Barcelona, but they're not, they're not real. Well, they were real, but they, they didn't well, count. They, they kind of were real, to be fair. That's a bit harsh. Yeah, they don't he count. Did, yeah, they don't count anymore. 
So anyway, um, yeah, so for Nadal, I mean, look, the Goffan Sinner, I know it's a bit of a heartbreaker. It's a rough draw for Goffan. I know it's very upsetting, but you're going to be watching it, aren't you? We're all going to be watching it. That's going to be a cracker. Oh, there's some great ones in the Monfils Public and Goffan Sinner and obviously you've had Rinka On the On the Benoit pair, poor man is exhausted, just wants the season to end because positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, poor negative. Bear. I mean, poor bear. I was, I was thinking about it. And he was allowed to play in, in Hamburg because the doctor came out and said that after his period of isolation, he's can be in your system, but he's no longer said to be contagious. It, it makes me... Because when... I had it in April, yeah? And I had my antibodies test in July. And in July, I st- one of the antibodies is the antibody that is actively fighting the disease. Right. So I still had the antibody that's actually fighting disease that I thought I no longer oh. had. So it's fine. And people have been saying some of the dead COVID like things. They talk about shedding. Yeah, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> shedding. I'm not a scientist. So, no, I, I, mean, I haven't got a clue, but I just remember saying, what do you mean I've got an antibody for it actively being still in my body? And I was told that it can, you're no longer contagious because it's not at that strength. It's still there. But Yeah, but tests will pick it up. And this was months after the event, as it were, but my body was still fighting coronavirus in July when I had it in April. Yeah, I mean, look, for for Benoit, it's rubbish. It's really, it's... We just finished the it's season. It's really rubbish. Just, you know. I mean, you know, I know about Pear and his antics, and his antics in Rome weren't great in singles and in doubles. He totally had lost the plot. He'd had a hard time. I gave him a bit of a break because of that, and... I just kind of thought, well, you know, he's going to come to Paris. He's going to play Ronald Garros. Things will get back on track. He might have some epic five-set win or something like that. I don't know. And it's just, yeah, it, it's it's a bit rubbish, isn't it? I mean, he pulled out in Hamburg, didn't he? He did play, but he pulled out. Because he was, and said he was feeling tired. And then it came to light about the tests. As he'd pulled out in Western Southern Open. And so just, yeah, I don't know. But it's weird, though, because he keeps saying he doesn't have any symptoms, but he pulled, he's pulled out of matches twice for feeling unwell. But, and <laughs> I'm so confused. But he's feeling about fatigue. But then, but if it was just fatigue, I, I, look, the only thing I can compare it to is what I had. I had chronic fatigue for probably about six weeks after the actual main symptoms had gone. And I, I wasn't contagious yeah. by that point. So it, it is something that that can last people months later still experiencing and remember he's an he's an athlete the top of his game going out in court and being pushed around on the clay so if anything's gonna test your system if it's been under the weather it's uh yeah I think he needs the season to finish I think he needs to go to one of those if he can a Maldivian island you know where they all go in the off season if they're allowed if we have a nice holiday go on a beach come on he deserves it right so he's bottom half of the draw top half of the draw but also I'll just say as well coming into this season when it was going to start um we thought worst case scenario someone might have to have to miss a slam he might have to miss two slams. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. The only Can you imagine? Well, again, <laughs> going awful. back to, if there is any coronavirus in his system, they will find it here where that cotton bud goes. Oh, God, can you imagine what they're doing to Benoit Pair oh, to try just, and find oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is it can't go any further. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> can I just remind you? I'm just going to hold up my biro again. It cannot... <laughs> it cannot... When it disappears, the biro disappears up your nose. There is nothing yeah. left, okay? Well, they might say, Benoit, we have a special test for Oof. you. <laughs> it's, it's like a double biro length. I just... Oh, my nose. I think my eyes are starting to water just thinking about it. Um, top half of the draw is, is where we find Novak Djokovic. And Djokovic. in his little chunk, 
I'm just giving some seeds here. Berrettini, Roberto Bautista Agut, who's got Richard Gasquet first round. Karen Hashanov, who's having a bit of a shocker at the moment. Christian Garin, Pablo Crena Busta, her catch. Uh, Jan Lederstruf has got Francis Tiafo, and then in the second chunk we've got Medvedev who's looking for his first Roland Garros when we go oh Medvedev's going to clean up he's got to start winning first really on this clay uh, pass, Shapovalov Rublev Dimitrov, Bastasvili and Krajnovic. Well, it does get a little interesting towards the bottom half of that section when you start yeah. throwing in the names of, what did we have, Shapovalov with... Rublev. We've got Sitspas. He's good on the clay. Okay, yeah. he's been a little bit fragile recently, but, you know, still definitely a threat. You've got Rublev. Oh, my God. Rublev played so well. <gasps> in Hamburg, I mean, what a performance. It was, it was just, it was flawless. It was unbelievable, that match. Did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Oh, it was so good. I can imagine it, but I didn't see it. I mean, it was just so, so good. Rublev was just incredible. He can, though. Remember it, with, uh, two years ago at Cincinnati, that hour he beat Federer in was flawless. Yeah. I mean, it was... It, you, your mouth just dropped yeah. open. You couldn't believe what you were seeing. I mean, when it comes together, it's incredible. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, it's, it's kind of a little bit more like... Uh, women's tennis in terms of the WTA where they can have those matches where they just nail everything and they just don't Twitter. miss. Yeah, like, exactly. They're, I think there are more women who go into that sort of section, but Rublev, oh, wow. I don't know whether the best of five will slightly affect that. But yeah, so Rublev, Shapovalov, he's playing great. He was excellent in Rome, that's for sure. Um, who else did you Dimitrov. Throw Dimitrov, yeah, of course. Been very well experienced. Lajevic, a Masters finalist on the clay. Yes. Krajnovic has been playing some great tennis since the Absolutely. lockdown he East. He played really well against Djokovic in Rome. So, like, that that section is, is going to be tough for Sitsipas to come through. That's for sure. He's the seeded player to come through that little block. Um, and then you've also got Medvedev in there. And look, okay, Medvedev, he did really well last year in two clay court tournaments in 2019. One of them was Monte Carlo, I believe. Um, but before that, I think he'd only won one match on the clay. He's not a clay quarter. He does not enjoy the clay. But the thing is, is that once he got to the top 20, he could play well enough that he could just beat, because he's got a very baseline sort of game. You know, even though it doesn't suit him, he could beat a lot of players on the clay. When it comes to playing a real clay quarter, now that's very difficult for for Medvedev, that's for sure. And he lost to uh, Hugo Humbert in Hamburg. And Humbert was sensational. He was absolutely brilliant. You just kept sending me messages about Humbert's mother. Yes, I know. She was so cool. <laughs> I loved it. She was just but, sitting there looking all glamorous. It was awesome. But she doesn't, she doesn't watch, does she? I remember no, she, a match. Oh, she was watching no, that. No, she watches. Do you remember there was a match in Rome and she, she was looking to the side. So every oh, time she the camera, sits sideways and she yeah, kind of looks over her shoulder. Yeah, every yeah, time the camera was on her, it was she was profile. And then at the end of a point, she'd turn and sort of say, allez, to her son. And then she'd turn away again. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. But no, I was a big fan of hers. But Umber was incredible uh, to beat Medvedev in that match. Medvedev was not great. Like, let's be honest, as much as Umber was, was brilliant, it's difficult. You know, he likes the ball to come through quite flat. I do think that the slower conditions in terms of the ball's not going to be as lively as we're used to because of the change of ball and because of the temperatures we're going to have. Uh, that will help him because it will sit in his slot a little bit. But ultimately, he plays a flat game style. He doesn't really get much help out of the court. It, it's not it's not great for him. And I think that when he comes up against the real clay quarters, he will, he will struggle. 
For the US Open, we had four who we thought could realistically win the title. And then Sitspas lost quite early. For this one, I can't see past I can't see past three. I only have three names that I think have any chance of winning Roland Garros, and they are Novak Djokovic, Dominic Team, and Rafa Nadal. So the yeah, look, the bookies three favourites. They've got Rafa Nadal as outright favourite, and then they've got joint behind Nadal. They've got Djokovic and Team. And for me, I don't see I can't put anybody else in a realistic slot. Can you add anyone to that? No. No. Uh, yeah, I can't, to be honest. It's just, it's it's got to be, the, the finals, surely it's going to be Djokovic against the winner of Team and Nadal. And I was, I was reading that Djokovic, we now know he's got the most Masters at 36, having won Rome. And also about the number one ranking. So he, I was reading, he was guaranteed, he's guaranteed until early November, I think like the 9th, that he'll have been 293 consecutive weeks at number one. Federer's on 310 and he said the two things he wants now is the all-time number one record which he would get probably what early next year if he could and the 20 Grand Slam titles of Roger Federer I mean this is a man on a mission and and for me I think Djokovic is going to win Roland Garros 2020 could couldn't he I mean everything that happened at the US Open it could be one of those things that just you know he gets the bit between his teeth Trying to prove a point. He did that in Rome. And he's he like that. Rome, that you know, yeah, that, there he was. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Nadal did not play a brilliant match when he lost in Rome. It was not... Um, I mean, it's obviously not Nadal at his best because Nadal at his best doesn't lose on clay. It doesn't happen. It's never happened. Nadal has never, ever played his best tennis and lost on clay, I don't believe. But when he's been a little bit off, he has been beaten by a couple of players around. But yeah, it wasn't great just couldn't quite get going. I mean, his forehand wasn't really doing anything. It just wasn't jumping up. It, yeah, just it, yeah, very, very interesting. So I imagine that Nadal will work his way into the tournament and turn it on. But we did see last year that it took him a little while to get going on the clay court, on the clay, through the clay court season. And it's a lot shorter this year. So who do you have winning? Will, will you give me an answer? Or are you going to say, well, he's going to win it, but maybe this other person could win it, which, yeah. Come on. Right. Well, who did you say is going to win the women's? Halep. Like, right. no doubt. Well, that's what I said. No, but then you said, well, Serena might. Well, how can she might if Halep's going to win it? In your mind. Because I don't that's, know. What? what? That's confusion. So, <laughs> give, let's... so you're saying you're saying it's Halep and Djokovic? Halep and Djokovic are going to win the titles. I mean, it's, it's, I can't really fault your, Come on. your logic. I also believe that because of the balls, the ball change... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to bet against Nadal, isn't it? But I don't think, I don't think he's gonna get off and running because we're not gonna get any warm weather. Oh, here we go. I don't know. I'm gonna say Djokovic. I'm cutting you a little bit of slack because your husband's informed me that your baby brain has really stepped up to a new level this week. It's been a difficult day today. (laughs) So, would you like to explain to our listeners what happened today? Well, I just went shopping for a few ingredients. He was going to make meatballs and noodles. Okay. So it was a good meal. That's great. I was very happy Lovely with that. Meal. Right. So what did you have to go kind and buy? Kind of him. I needed to buy noodles. Yep. Meat. Yep. Spring onions. Uh-huh. Uh, and a couple of other soy sauce and bean sprouts, but that's for a different dish, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what did you come back with? I came back with all of the above, except for noodles and meat. <laughs> <laughs> so you came back... 
without the two key ingredients for meatballs and noodles. Yeah, I bought spring onions though. Brilliant. So, tough to make Excellent. a dish out of that. Excellent. <laughs> so tonight for dinner, we're having spring onions. So you forgot the noodles and the You only went for five ingredients. Yeah, that was all. Yeah, incredible. That was yeah, that, so that was during, during this recording, your husband's had to go out and buy noodles and meat. He has, yes, and he's come back. So you've heard him kind of moving around <laughs> as he's come back with the shopping. But yes, it, yeah, it's been a it's been a difficult day. I don't know. I'm very tired today. <laughs> very tired today. Cut me some slack, and then now you're giving me abuse about the bloody women's straw. What are you talking about? I've already I've given you one big shout with Magarutha. I think that's a big shout. But she's not going to win it. What do you think she's going to do then, Magarutha? What's Final. the big shout with Magarutha? No, so no. What? She's going to make... No, she's... No, okay. What? Magarutha's going to win it. Sorry? What? <laughs> Magarutha's going to win it because if Magarutha <laughs> plays Halep in the final, Magarutha's going to win. So that means Magarutha's going to win it. So therefore, Serena Williams is not going to win her 24th at Roland Garros this year. Probably not. What? <laughs> <laughs>